You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, how was your week, Ben Gregg? Tell me something about yourself. 0-2, bud. Comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Gabbage out of here! Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters, podcast number 56, where I'm joined in studio with a man, the myth, the legend, the Cypriot assassin, Gregory Euro Shadis. What's Gre- up, T-Dot? How you doing, buddy? Like I said, 0-2 week, tough way to start. You know, I'm diehard for the cause. Well, we're going to kick it old school for you guys today. The two, uh, I guess, voices who uh, started this podcast off were lucky to be joined by Christian Javon. Uh, but we're going to keep it kicking old school. Greg and I are going to chat about some Toronto Raptors basketball. We're also going to discuss the mutiny in Chicago, the growing tension in Philadelphia, and we're going to finish the podcast off. We've got about 10 teams left in our, uh, I guess, NBA quarter of the season breakdown. Greg, we're going to start it off with the Toronto Raptors. Two losses in a row. We beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Unfortunately, we dropped a game to the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, the biggest takeaway from it is Kyle Lowry's performance in the last two games. It's is there mm. anything to note, anything to discuss? Greg, what's your perspective of our last two losses? The Brooklyn loss is inconsequential. The Milwaukee loss was concerning to me primarily because Nurse got outcoached by Budenholzer. Uh, which I predicted at the start of the season. My man. the man. He's himself. got my A. He's got my respect. Are you, are you finally going Somebody to— Somebody put some respect— on that guy's name. So you're conceding to defeat. Jason Kidd is a pretty bad coach. Boone and Mike Budenholzer is, is to coach truth? of the year. There we go. No, look, uh, what's obviously the most concerning is the lack of secondary scoring on the team. And the fact that, you know, it's really frustrating watching the modern NBA, right? Because when your team is hot hitting those threes, right? It's all money and pace and space and whatever. And when OG Ananobi's hitting the side of the backboard... Doesn't look so hot, right? And Kyle Lowry's just clanking up shots. Look, what's frustrating too is the narrative around it, right? A lot, uh, a lot of people are trying to connect it to like him going on the jump, right? So, and I, I don't really know if there's any truth to that, but something's not right. Whether it be him, like he's always been a streaky shooter. Mm-hmm. But what's concerning is when he is playing badly, it's like 
he he bottoms out so poorly. Like if he could just play at fifty percent, that would be fine. But he plays at like then twenty percent of his capability, and the Raptors don't really have another go-to score. Well, that's on the that's team. what I wanted to bring up. You know, Kyle Lowry's mo isn't necessarily scoring. You know, his skill set is beyond the simplicity of putting the ball in the basket. 100%. He's primarily a playmaker, 100%. which also begs a question. We kind of just brought that up. You're alluding to it right there. Was do we need to bring in a secondary score, someone that can consistently in a nightly basis drop fifteen to twenty points per game? Kyle currently averaging 15 points per game you know not his career high but he is showing up on other stats specifically the assists per game but is he like a, a like a like as if we're the number one team in the eastern conference can we win a championship if kyle lowry is our second scoring option look uh, please don't um misinform our seven loyal listeners the raptors chances of winning a championship this year are predicated on an injury to a player on Golden State or DeMarcus Cousins slash Draymond Green slash Kevin Durant, like ruining the chemistry in that locker room. From uh, like, there's just no competition t- to the Warriors. This year is about playing for second place. Mind you, getting to the finals would be a significant achievement. And I think that's the only way that we keep Kawhi, right? Is if you get to the finals, because he's apparently all about winning. That being said, to get to your question, I do think that we need some reliable, steady, uh, scoring assistance on our team. I say this because look, like Lowry, look, but when he's on, the Raptors hit that next level. But his shot is inconsistent, right? Like we know this. Like, like, like he's such a streaky player. He's been like that his whole career. He's gonna bring the intensity. He's gonna bring the effort. He's gonna bring the leadership. But is he gonna hit that deep three? Because when he's not hitting that deep three. Our offense, like the spacing, it just doesn't look as good. And then teams can 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 load up on Leonard a lot more. Should have never traded or let Lou Williams go. Poor Lou. Yeah. You look at like, well, I guess we'll discuss the Clippers a little bit later. But, you know, Lou Williams is that prototypical offensive first kind of finisher. And you're right. Like the team doesn't necessarily have that kind of skill set anymore. It, it it's 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 kind of alarming. You know, like we we talked about it last week. We have so many guys who are so switchy, who are very versatile. But at the end of the day, we do need some secondary scoring. I know it's a mm-hmm. hypothetical discussion, but maybe like a guy like Bradley Beal. I don't know what type of package we would have to send over. But I would looking love at a to team, get Bradley Beal. That, exactly. Like that's the type of guy I think we need at this point. I can't imagine. Like I think Siakam would have to be involved in the trade, or oh, even OG and Anobi. You can't OG uh, at this point. Um, might be expendable. Siakam's not because yeah, but that, you just don't have anyone to fill that power forward why, spot. Why, why would you feel that way? Just out of curiosity. OG? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with you, but you know, we were talking about this you know, even in the offseason last year, OG being untradeable, shades of Kawhi Leonard, and now we're having discussion now we right have now where realistically... Leonard, yeah, but we haven't locked him up in long term. That's, yeah. that, that's kind of the no, issue of trading OG, right? It's, it's, it's a definite risk, um, and you don't need to do it. You really don't need to, uh, but I think in order to keep Kawhi, we might need to get to the finals. Right. And it's also kind of frustrating that we saw that sort of secondary scoring glimmers of it in a guy like Fred Van Vliet. You know, obviously he's not having the same season as he had last year. He can't, he can't, like, your backup point guard, Brandon, can't be that guy. Right, I know he made some big shots for us. But we're talking, but we're also talking about Lou Williams, and that's the sort of, I wouldn't say like a carbon copy of Lou Williams, but a guy, a guy that that creates his own shot. Right, right. That's exactly what it is, right? And I, th- I thought Fred Van Vliet be a little bit stronger this year, especially when it was, comes to creating his own offense. Well, he's and- played good the last few games, actually, but it's coincided with Lowry just taking, like, the- like it's so funny, man. Like, talk about him being up and down. The guy goes from playing the best basketball I've ever seen him play to the worst basketball I've ever seen him play. Talk about regression to the mean. 
All right, moving down on the list, uh, the last point we'll talk about for the Toronto Raptors is kind of looking ahead of tonight's matchup against the Clippers. We're obviously playing the Golden State Warriors tomorrow. Mm. That's a very, very difficult back-to-back. Uh, what are your thoughts on tonight's matchup against the Clippers? How do we stack against that team, specifically their depth? And well, yeah, I, I think this is actually... Now, look, this past week, we did beat Philly, and that was a big game, okay? Um, and, you know, I said to my buddy when I was watching... Um, this game at the bar, the the Brooklyn game, I said, you know, this loss doesn't matter if we beat Milwaukee. And after the Milwaukee game, I kind of said, you know what? That loss doesn't matter if we beat Golden State. Okay, so, you know, if we can... I think you got you got to win tonight. And tonight's actually also interesting because uh, if Kawhi plays tonight, then he's not going to play tomorrow, right? Because he doesn't play on the back-to-backs. I wanted to see, okay, what I wanted to see was, was a Kawhi-less Raptors team play... A Clippers team, and you'd because you're really then you're having both these teams kind of audition for Kawhi in a sense, right? And Kawhi could sit there and look at these teams and be like, "Well, which one do I fit the most on?" Right? Because we all know that Jerry West is in charge of 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 LA now, and they're going after Kawhi. They they they've made no bones about it. But it looks like he's going to play tonight, and that probably means he's not going to play against Golden State. So, you know, take that to mean what you will. I think I'd rather see him play against Golden State. Yeah, but on per- the other hand, if you want to win, maybe you get him to play tonight. Yeah, it'll be inter- very interesting to see what happens with Steph Curry, you know, back on the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, we took him to the uh, overtime, won that game. They're going to want to shred um, us. But they're yeah, going to want to shred us. They're definitely going to show up at a game and kind of prove to the world that they are the number one team in the NBA. All right, moving down the list, let's talk about general NBA news before we get to our last 10 of our mm-hmm. NBA quarter of the season breakdown. I'm going to start this one off with the uh, Munini going on in Chicago right now. Uh, roughly, what, nine days? ago, Fred Hoiberg was canned by the Chicago Bulls. Um, he was replaced by assistant coach Jim Boylan. Essentially, what's happened afterwards, as I mentioned, there's a mutiny in Chicago. The team lost by 56 points. Uh, Boylan basically refused to play his best players during that 56-point, uh, I guess, execution. Um, several of the players called some of his play calls embarrassing. Um there basically was a applauded mutiny against him, which kind of cooled off afterwards. Um, but the team is in basketball hell, especially after firing of Fred Hoiberg. Apparently, John Paxson put a note on Hoiberg's office door after the night he was dismissed, saying we have to have a meeting at 9 a.m. the morning. So they're just complete chaos from the management to the coaching side, even onto the on-court product. They're basically the new Sacramento Kings, a laughingstock of the NBA. Greg, do you have any perspective on this? Do you have anything you want to discuss about the Bulls? Or is this just another clearly mismanaged organization completely destroying a storied history, a once-storied franchise? Yeah, I, I think you got it right. You talk about they're the new Sacramento. Sacramento came from behind. I think they were down like 15 points and then came back to beat them by almost that last night. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like John Paxson, I think, needs to step down. They're an absolute embarrassment. Absolute, like, I don't know. The whole... F- Fred Hoiberg situation, right? Like you bring in this coach that you you brought him in for stylistic changes, but you don't give him the players to play the way he wants. Exactly, exactly. Then you trade the like your or sorry, then you go and try to get a bunch of veterans that don't fit that mold anyways on the rebuild, right? Instead of rebuilding, you remember when they had Rondo and they had Wade and it just like didn't work like How it, are you supposed to compete when Jabari Parker and Zach Levine are your two primary yeah, scoring but that's options? The thir- right? And that's the third iteration that Hoiberg got. And really, like, and then so you fire him because he's not like hard enough on the play on the players or whatever. And you have this this other guy, what's his name, the new coach? I forget the new Jim Boylan. Yeah, 
and now he's all in the news because apparently, like, the and look, like, you know, in some ways, I understand, you know, from the coaching standpoint, like, no, I'm a new coach and I want you to practice, even though we just, you know, uh, played back to back games. I want you to practice because we need to, to work on stuff and I got to implement my system and I got to teach you what I want to see. But on the other hand, like, you know, if you don't have the respect of the locker room, it's hard to be demanding all these additional practices, right? And then you have these guys now going to the players' union. Like, it's just a bad look. And, yeah, like, it, it – look, but you know what? You call like, it a story franchise. It was only a story franchise because they got Michael Jordan, right? So, Michael, right, like, other than that, like, why should we – why should they be revered? Well, you even look at the Tom Thibodeau, Derek Rhodes, Jimmy Butler version of the team, Joaquin Noah – uh, yeah, no, you know, I get, they, they they did have a little bit of respect for their name, especially within you know the 2010s to yeah. uh, 2013, 14s. So it's just it's it's frustrating that they fired Fred Hoiberg, a guy obviously the the team, the players loved. I don't understand the point of dismissing Fred Hoiberg at this conjecture of the season. He was too the soft team, on the players, apparently. Yeah, and you can see that in Zach Levine's defense, you know their inability to play, you know a- any respectable defense on a nightly Yo, basis. But, it's but, just. It's just the way this roster was constructed, I was mentioning earlier, you're not going to get great defense from Laurie McCannon. Wendell Carter is a rookie. He wasn't Chris even Dunn's, playing. Mark Chris Dunn can't shoot playing. the basketball. Zach Levine and Jabari Park, as I mentioned, are complete liabilities. You know, talk about a guy like Justin Holiday having to play major minutes, you know, Antonio Blackney. The team wasn't really, like, constructed properly in the offseason. You could see that coming into this year. So I would view the blame on John Paxson not being able to put together an adequate roster to but, compete under the guide but of Fred Oyvind. fired Thibodeau. For being too much like that, right? Why didn't you just keep Thibodeau? He was like he was like the uh, foreman, right? He he would be exactly what you wanted all along. He would have been a complete hard ass. You know, be a good coach for the Chicago Bulls, Dwayne Casey. Too modern, too mo- too modern, too much of a player's coach now. But yeah. that's the new man. That's the thing, though. You can't really be like that anymore, right? The players have too much power. These guys are trying to protect their brand. They don't want to be doing two days. All right, moving down the list, uh, another team that's in a little bit of uh, internal turmoil, maybe not to the degree that Chicago Bulls are, but it's the Philadelphia 76ers, who obviously brought in Jimmy Butler in the fold a couple weeks ago, have looked pretty impressive to finally having some sort of offensive closer beyond Joel Embiid and the uh, the, the the Ben Simmons can't shoot from 10 feet uh, fiasco, I guess we'll call it. Uh, but recently, Joel Embiid was talking about his role in the offensive end of the court, and he basically was quoted to say, but it seems like the past couple games, like with the way I play, our setup... Brown always has me starting on the perimeter and just really frustrates me. You can talk about Jimmy Butler coming in and kind of having the closing touches that Joel Embiid typically was accustomed to. Greg, is this something that we should really be paying attention to, that something could grow internally over time? Or is this just another blip on the radar, trying to bring and include a new... Yeah, I think it's growing pains between a team with multiple stars. It was always good, right? Like, there's egos involved. Uh, Mind you, like, if Joel Embiid wants to win, he's going to have to sacrifice... He's also like when you know when the Raptors were playing him and and good for JV by the way for bullying him and can I just say a couple this, fantastic performances hey, from JV but over this last is why week. I said we couldn't trade JV because we have Embiid in our division and the guy is a fucking monster and you need to have an ogre like 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 you need an ogre on your roster to be able to compete with an, another ogre well the only thing yeah well the only thing i would say about that is that you're absolutely right the importance of having a guy like jv that maybe in certain instances you can't even play 
Yeah. But in other instances, it's absolutely pivotal to toward victory. Yeah. The only thing is the guy should be making $16, $17 million a year. If we restructure his contract next year or actually resign him, the guy probably is looking at $8, 9000000 million. That's something I'm comfortable with. But if I'm paying him, you know, like within the, um, you know, 10 to $15 million range, that's when it gets a little bit dicey. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just, just, just to go back to, to earlier talk, I think JV is now in that, you know... If a team is looking for a center, maybe Cleveland, maybe they want a, a a big bruising center and a guard, and they could, you know, give us Kevin Love. Oh, just saying. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of money to take over for a very passive player who clearly is not really. Can he make the shots? That was a versatile defensive option, but can that's he what. Make I, yeah, shots? but that's what I'm saying again is that if you do bring in Kevin Love, he's not going to be a guy that we can necessarily put in the court in every aspect of a game. I think he could be a defensive liability in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, yeah, I think bringing, JV, yeah. and I think bringing a guy that makes you know pretty close to $30 million a season doesn't necessarily help us in the long run. Well, we need someone that can make some shots. Hey, the bread man is available. <laughs> Contavious Caldwell-Pope? Yeah, because uh, Ariza's going to the Lakers, and the Lakers are apparently looking for a third team to complete the deal. <laughs> I would only want the bread man purely for comic relief, not for you know rotation moments. The bread he's, man! He's like a very shitty version of Danny Green. <laughs> uh, all right, moving down the list, let's finish this off with our final breakdown, last head teams in the NBA. We're going to start this one off with myself with the Orlando Magic. You know what? No, I'll throw it to you, Greg. Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Chat about them right now for me. Wait, for so me, we friend. just we just skip the magic, or you want some? I'll do some I'll do the magic, but I'll, I'll I'll give you. I'll let you start it off right now while I pull up the With information Philly? about the Philadelphia 76ers. Philly, Philly's Currently almost, nineteen and nine in the Philly's Eastern Philly's almost Conference. there, man. They're almost there. Um, this this Markel Fultz situation is so strange. We we, we don't even uh, need to get into that. I still think that they're couple pieces away i think that teams have now schemed on 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 ben simmons mm-hmm. but hey talent wise they're right there uh i don't think that they get over the hump this season but in the coming years like assuming that butler resigns they're think, right there i think bench depth depth yeah. might be an issue yeah, but this is, is def- this is, is the definition of a team that's going to get some sort of uh free agent pickup after the trade deadline um, some veteran buyout. They're probably gonna like like last season. I think they were able to bring in a guy like Marco Bellinelli. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yep. they were able to bring in a couple secondary scores, Ursa and Ilyasova. So they'll they'll round out the bench afterwards. Uh, Dario Saric, Covington were obviously good players, specifically Covington, kind of evolved in that lockdown three four guy. But it affected the most, their depth exactly. Jimmy Butler really helped them out. They they needed a guy to have like be able to score in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Jimmy Butler filled Creative, that role. Well, what Fultz was. Supposed to become right, like yeah, a ball handler that can finish at the end of games, right? Well, Landry Shamats looked relatively decent as a point guard coming off the bench. TJ McConnell's still there, Wilson Chandler, your boy Amir Johnson. So they do, they're 19 to 9, currently in the second Elank division. No cause for concern with the Philadelphia 76ers. Anything else you want to add? No, that's it. That's it. All right, next up is uh, the surprising 12 and 15 Orlando Magic, currently second in the South. East Division, um, guy that I ripped on quite a bit because of you know his, um, how can I put it, inefficient offensive game and defensive liability is Nikolai Vucevic, who's completely proved me, proved me long, wrong this season. Currently, he's, he's shooting forty percent from three with three. 
points attempted per game, which is something he recently added to his repertoire, currently averaging just a shade under 21 points per game to go with 11 and a half rebounds. So he does look like a superstar. Aaron Gordon. Ah, star. Aaron a Gordon. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call him a star. Aaron Gordon has basically been the same carbon copy of the guy he got last season, hasn't really evolved as a player, uh, making, you know, pretty good money. I think about 22, 23 million dollars. So definitely has to live up to that contract. It's just a lot of like, like fourth, fifth options on really good teams is what Orlando has. And they just, the last few seasons is drafting for pure length and hypothetical upside. They need a score. They need a guy like Trey Young. Their best scoring option realistically is Evan Forney and Terrence Ross, which is not a very, uh, very, very, very fun option to have. So we'll see how Mo Bamba evolves. He looks like the prototypical long, lanky rim protector that most teams uh, look for in the modern NBA. Uh, I don't know. I, I, th- I think they're definitely going to hit a uh, fork in the road. They're not going to make the playoffs again. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with Orlando, but it's pretty surprising to see their recent performance. All right, moving down the list. Greg, can you talk to me about the Portland Trailblazers? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you don't sound so enthusiastic about that, man. Trailblazers. Run, look, look. 15 and 11, about, third in the Northwest Division. The, they're similar to the to the Raptors uh, prior to making the Kawhi trade. I don't think they have the talent to break through in a playoff series against, you know, a team like even the Lakers, right, that have this guy, this big wing that can just take over the game, right? We we gotta you gotta look at Dame Lillard's evolution this player. No, he's as, fantastic. Yeah, and he's like a an shot MVP maker. conversation as well. Um Al Freak Aminu has also had a pretty stellar season, really, you know, uh, all the round performance of the four position. He's kind of the ideal mold of what you would want out of your I four. I feel like they're too weak on the wing. Well, yeah. They, they don't have any good two-way players. On, I mean, they have Evan Turner. Well, when you're starting Jack Lehman as your starting that's three, that's that a little bit of an issue. Like, but that's but the reason why they're doing that. that have Paul George and LeBron James. But what I like about this is how they've run to gone to Evan Turner as the primary, primary offensive option coming off the bench. Um, Evan Turner, you can say what you want to say about him. Maybe not the greatest offensive option shooter, but he's a great playmaker, great good rebounder, defender. good defender as well. He's really done a great job off the bench. Zach Collins is coming to his own as well. Like Maybe Zach he didn't Collins. like to see the leap he would make this season, but he talked about the modern-day big rim protector, shot blocker, three-point shooter, floor spacer. That's Zach Collins. You've gotten some decent minutes out of Nick Stoskis, but you're right. It does seem like the, relatively the same team that we saw last season. Yeah. All right, moving down the list, I unfortunately going to talk about the last place Phoenix Suns, currently sitting 4-23, and 5th in Pacific Division. When we're talking about breakdowns this offseason, Graf and I were kind of discussing the Phoenix Suns as a potential playoff team. You know, talk like thinking about like what they brought in this offseason. You go, guys like Trevor Ariza were brought in the fold. You can also talk about even Rashawn Holmes coming in, Ryan Anderson, uh, etc. Uh, coming like Bringing DeAndre Aiden, the former number one overall pick. Bringing guys like Devin Booker, TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, etc. The worst has happened this team has completely shit the bed. Beyond Devin Booker, there's not really many silver linings. I guess DeAndre Aiden has been playing some pretty good basketball in his rookie season, maybe defensive liability. Josh Jackson has taken five steps back from last season. He's basically unplayable at this point. Uh, Mikhail Bridges has played some pretty good rookie minutes with a three position, but you can't really build an offense around him. There are you know, potential 
prospect chips, guys that they can rel- like build a team around. But I don't think Devin Booker's a point guard. He's realistically no. a shooting guard. T- Booker and Aiden are a good core to have moving forward. But I think they have to kind of maybe cut their losses with Jack. Uh, sorry, Josh Jackson. He looks like a shittier version of Stanley Johnson and Kellen Winslow right hey, now. Best thing that could happen to that team right now is that they get a top three pick and can, and can draft R.J. Barrett. Or Cam Reddish or Zion, man. They just need that. But I feel like they really need a point guard. It's, they that, do need that a That organization point guard, yeah. is another one that's fucked. Like, like how you, on... they, they used to have too many point guards. Remember that? They had the guys, they had Thomas, they had Brandon Knight, they had Gordon Drogg. They had all these point guards. Yeah. And, oh, sorry, Eric Bledsoe, I meant. And now they have none. Yeah, that happen? It's absolutely shocking. This team was like Ryan McDonough. <laughs> Ryan McDonough got fired like five games in the season, rightfully so. He's done an absolutely terrible job. Uh, building this organization, you can even look at the like proud the, and a proud history, right? Like with the Colangelos or whatever. But D'Antoni, Steve Nash, yeah. rip and run, baby. Um, Dan right, Marley. Moving down the list, Greg, can you talk to me about the San Antonio Spurs? I it's been tough, eh? Like I've, honestly, losing Dejounte Murray was so huge. Thirteen and fourteen. Their third in the, on the ball is so bad. Like I've never seen such a bad defensive San Antonio team. No modern day evolution. No depending on the three point shot. Just I, but very I inefficient that offense. That, that's not the issue for me. It's that they lack r- athleticism. They really do. Like like Rudy Gay. If it was Rudy Gay in his prime, it'd be different. But like they, they lack athleticism, and their point guards are just like second and third string point guards. Like Dejounte Murray to me was, was what was going to make that team go. In it, right, like like he he was like a glue guy, but also someone that could put pressure on the ball at the point of attack and run a fast break. He's a perfect complementary piece to put beside Demar Derozan in the yeah, backcourt because, because he's a guy I, that yeah. can handle the majority of defensive responsibilities yeah. on any given night, regardless who's the better between the one or two that in their opposition. DeJounte Mori was kind of like a lockdown defender because DeMar DeRozan obviously isn't recognized for his You think defense. they make the playoffs? No. Okay. I like Dallas. Oh, Luca. Luca. What up, Graf? What up, Graf? Luca. I love I love I love that that Luca's by far number one best prospect of the draft. Did you see year. that he he rang off like twelve straight points against Houston to the come hype, from behind a win? The hype is justified, right? Yeah. Can can we say that? Dude, what <laughs> they, there was no Type for him, he is his own. Uh, um, he's his own player. He's carved out his own niche. Larry Bird, he's special, baby. man. Yeah, he's special. <laughs> uh, so San Antonio Spurs not looking the greatest. Still twelve and thirteen, so they do have a shot at making the playoffs, but it's not looking. I good. think they squeak in. You think they squeak in? I'm going to uh, talk about a team that was the laughing stock of the NBA for a while, but now they're currently above 500 over the guidance of arguably the coach of the year in Dave Yeager, uh, the 14 and 12 fourth Pacific division, Sacramento Kings. Let me start it off. Like, fuck Vlad A. Divac. Like, fuck Vlad A. Divac. What do you got against Vlad A., Because they're, like, at the start of the season, the team was on, like, a five, six-game win streak. And, and Vlad he, A. Divac yeah. was having a conversation about potentially firing Dave Yeager because he wasn't playing Marvin Bagley as much. Marvin Bagley... I don't want to get into this too much because I've ripped on this guy so much in the summertime. He's not a bad player. But he's, when it comes to... You, you can't draft a player who doesn't necessarily have a... A, have a position, and B, you have to completely structure your offense around 
Not a big Marvin Bagley buy, but the got two guys who have completely flipped the switch. One of them I'm not surprised by. The other one I'm surprised by is Darren Fox and Buddy Heal. Darren Fox, you know, former fifth overall pick. Many people had him predicted to be a potential superstar. We saw flashes of it last I think season. He's better than Lonzo Ball. Man. Oh, for sure. And last season, the issue was shooting with Darren Fox, currently averaging 41% from the three-point line, nice. 48% from the field goal, uh, putting up stellar numbers at 18 points per game, seven and a half assists, Lightning 3.5 quick. rebounds. A guy who's blowing me away is Buddy Heald, who was a primary piece behind the DeMarcus Cousins yeah. trade. Um, the owner, Vivek, for the, uh, the Sacramento Kings was kind mm-hmm. of comparing him at the time to Steph Curry. Many people were just kind of laughing it off. No, he Obviously it. not Steph Curry, but he's very... He's a shooter. He, he, he's not... Like, he is a lockdown, sh- like, perimeter shooter. He's a good defender. Um... Averaging 18.6 points per game, shooting 42% from the three-point line at six attempts per game. The yeah, team looks right. fantastic. They're starting five rotation of Buddy Heal, Darren Fox, Will Cauley-Stein, Nemanja Belika, and depending on the night, it's if a defensive assignment, Amon Shumpert, if an offensive assignment, Justin Jackson. And I like that It's a Shumpert. perfect rotation, man. I like that Shumpert. That I, I like what he brings to them mm-hmm. as a veteran guy that's kind of one, right? Like he got written off by a lot of well, people. Well, he never right? really knew his role when he was especially playing for the Knicks. He was always kind of like yeah. he always envisioned himself as a shooter. The guy's purely the lockdown defensive yeah. specialist. Yeah. Yeah. Getting Bogdan Bogdanovich off the bench. This is a very like interesting roster. There's a lot of young pieces. You know, you look at even Harry Giles, who hasn't really been playing. Oh, but he's uh, got upside. But he looked fantastic in the summer league. Um, even guys like Scalabissier, who you know really isn't show, like showing much this yeah, yeah, season, yeah. still does but has still potential. Some potential yeah, he's yeah. got Bruno Caboclo potential. You know, he does for sure. He's uh, three years away from being three years away. That's it. All right, moving down the list, we will give Gregory the Utah Jazz, who had a pretty interesting game against the Oklahoma City Took Thunder. Took a whooping. Utah Jazz, thirteen and fifteen, fifth in Northwest Division. A lot of teams predicted them to be the hipster favorite to potentially finish top three in the Western Division. Not really happened this year. No, no, no. See, Brandon, Brandon, you were the original hipster on them last year. You were bullish on them last year and I was laughing you off because I was all about my thunder and then right who beat who in the playoffs Utah beat OKC in the in, oh, in yeah. the playoffs. oh yeah now the difference here now Donovan Mitchell spent the whole summer feeling good about himself right they everybody started to believe their own hype they came back teams knew about them they're scheming for them they're ready for them right um I think it's just tough for teams in 2018, 2018, sorry, to win a championship or even make the playoffs with such a high volume shooter like a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Dude, but shot he, selection. He just hasn't played well, like, with the same. It's um, it's court intelligence. It's shot selection. I mean, I it's, think I think it's just too much summer partying for the young man. <laughs> That's what I think, man. Well, you can see Rudy Gobert. The uh, early season struggles are getting into a bit. You can see with the uh, the you see whole. When he, do you see when he freaked out and yeah, slapped yeah. the child? But but you know what? Like, um, there's less physicality this year too, and that's tough for a defensive team like them. Uh, I think that they need a little more. Like, I, I don't think Kyle Korver was the answer. They're still going to make the playoffs. Like, they're better than how they started, right? But, I mean, the real story is that the Thunder are probably the second-best team right now in the West, 
I think. Well, they did a good job of. We were, we were talking with the Thunder last week, but you know, being a guy like Dennis Schroeder, you look at the I team like success Schroeder, when man. they had a guy like Reggie I liked Jackson. Him on that, I think on that team. Well, when Oklahoma City Thunder had a Reggie Jackson behind Russell Westbrook, the team was obviously substantially better than they yeah. are now. No, you. But yeah. a guy like Dennis Schroeder as well does kind of give a different type of pace coming off the bench. Even Yo, getting a guy like Nerlens Noel as well. As well, he's a, a I, I like perfect that. rim runner. I like runner. these Just, pieces. Jeremy yeah, Grant, yeah, exactly. and, and they don't even have uh, uh, Robertson back yet. No, and uh, you know, obviously, we're talking about one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. So they're still missing integral piece of their of their roster. All right, we're gonna finish this podcast off with a quick discussion about the eleven and sixteen Washington Wizards. Uh, um, there's not much to say about this. John Wall, Bradley Beal, obviously can't coexist in the backcourt. It's not even based on style; it's based on just the relationship. You can obviously see based on the body language they do not get along at all. Bradley Beal realistically is the biggest trade chip in the situation. With Otto Porter Jr. making, you know, upwards of twenty million dollars, you know, John Wall probably earning forty-six million dollars three, four years from now, basically an untradeable contract at this point. You know, Dwight Howard obviously hasn't really ma- made this team better. Not much of an improvement well, over Marcin Gortat, right? uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. I think that's hurt them though. I, because they, they don't have a reliable starting big man. Well, I think it's also having a guy that holds your players accountable, especially with so many egos. You know, I mentioned Kelly Oubre Jr. as well, uh, Austin Marching Rivers, etc. Yeah, Marcin Gortat, I think, was that stabilizing presence as a veteran who could but- really put these guys in check you know I think it was very important because John Wall clearly isn't a leader Bradley Beal I don't personally think is a prototypical leader that most teams need Dwight Howard is a locker room cancer Markeith Morris isn't the greatest locker room guy Jeff Green Austin Rivers these aren't you know like like leadership kind of you know put the team Mm -hmm. on your shoulders type but the real question is what the Raptors can do to swoop in and and like vultures and pick up on some of these uh, remains Right? And, like, what would you be willing to give up for a Bradley Beal? Because I think he'd be, like, I don't think Danny Green would have a problem coming off the bench. Right, but it's just a matter of putting together the proper package. Oh, I, I missed something I want to talk to you about quickly. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Jakob Pertl, 13 and a half minutes per game, mm. just under six points per game. It's insane that he's not getting more playing time, considering what we saw of the guy last season. Why? Uh, I think it's because Pop likes big guys that can um, handle the ball uh, out in the perimeter. And I think Pirtle struggles with that. I, um, I, but you know what? I see him being long-term good fit. It, it, it's also been strange because Powell hasn't been been playing. He's 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 been hurt. He got some minutes the other day though. Uh, the other day though, did Pirtle? And I think he's going to come into his own a little ma- more now that he's comfortable. Oh, we'll see what happens. If anything, we've won that trade so far. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, Christian will be with us, the three-man pod. Uh, big shout-out to um, Greg's soccer team. I don't know. Jarvis, baby. Jarvis, baby. Uh, you guys, you can catch a podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Oh, I got it right this time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Toronto Sport Matters. Have a fantastic week, Toronto. Peace out, D-Dot. Second.